Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for December 4th, 2017. Big 11-game NBA slate for Matt and I to break down. And we have some value already. We actually already have some injury news, which is good to get it this early. So just jump into it. First game on the slate, Orlando Magic at the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Back-to-back situation for Orlando. They played today uh, in New York. And so uh, road back-to-back a little bit more of a downgrade when a team plays the second half of back-to-back on the road than they do at home. Uh, Alfred Payton, I think, is an interesting play at 6,000. Uh, I know he's been up and down a lot recently, but more up than down recently. He scored at least 33 fantasy points now in five of his last seven games. So when we take into account that last year he peaked at almost 8,000, I mean, at 6,000, there's a good amount of value in his price tag. I think that he's the best play on that side of the game. Jonathan Simmons at 5,000 makes some sense uh, since he's been in the starting lineup. He's been playing a ton of minutes and playing really well. If you look at the last couple games, 38 minutes and 39 minutes, scoring 27 and 30 fantasy points. So if he's going to be playing almost 40 minutes at 5,000, that's a pretty good situation for him. Uh, from the Charlotte side of the game, is Kemba Walker... Kemba Walker's still? probable now, so I think we're. Uh, it's safe to assume he's going to be in. Okay, so... Kemba Walker's supposed to play. I think he's fine at 7,500. Uh, Batum, what have, have Batum, the last couple games, 35 minutes, 32 minutes for Batum. He didn't produce well, but Batum is still a good player. He just hasn't totally gotten healthy from the elbow injury, but it's going to happen eventually. I would say I wouldn't trust Batum in the cash game yet, but for GPP, there's a lot upside of 5,700 because he's going to start playing better eventually. Yeah, I agree with you there. I like Batum and Walker. Uh, one other guy from Orlando, Evan Fournier, is down to 5500 I think he was priced in the 6000s for a while, maybe even got to 7000 when Alfred Payton was out. But the key to the Magic rotation, I think this has led to more minutes for both Fournier and Simmons, is that my favorite DFS player, Terrence Ross, is injured. So that's, uh, that's why those guys are seeing a little bit more time on the court. I guess maybe a slightly higher usage, too. So it's a bump for Simmons and Fournier just to be more a part of the rotation, part of the offense, and their prices have come down a little bit. Simmons is kind of stagnated, but Fournier is cheaper than he was last month. So I like Peyton, I like Fournier, I like Simmons. You probably don't want to play more than two of them in the same lineup because they all sort of do similar things, but I think that you could definitely roster more than one of them. So I'd say of those three guys, it probably makes sense to have exposure to all of them, but two at most in each individual lineup. Yeah, I forgot about the Terrence Ross injury, which, of course, you would you would remember, because if not, you'd be rostered. I'm the uh, Terrence Ross guy, of course. I, you can always count on me to know if Terrence Ross is injured or not injured. Yeah, Matt gets all the Terrence Ross updates. Uh, so next game, Knicks at Pacers. So for the Knicks, um, we have Kristaps Porzingis is out, and Tim Hardaway Jr. also out. Obviously, those are two the, the Knicks' two best players. They're two big pieces. So there's going to be a lot of usage available for Ennis Canner last couple games. Uh, 43 fantasy points, 44. He's going to be the go-to guy on offense. And then we also have Michael Beasley at 3,500. There's a ton of upside on Beasley at such a cheap price. Uh, the floor is very low. He could easily put up zero points because he's Michael Beasley. Uh, but with that said, 3,500, I don't think that there's any other like cheap punt type player with more upside than Beasley tomorrow. 
Uh, I think Jarrett Jack makes a little bit of sense as a value play. I think that there's better guys priced under 4,000, Michael Beasley being one of them, just because Jarrett Jack still just kind of plays like high 20s minutes and isn't like a massive point-per-minute producer. But I think that he's a pretty safe bet to hit value, at least at his current price tag. From the pacer side of the game, uh, Victor Oladipo's gotten up to 8,700. He's been ridiculous this year, but I really do feel like that's too high for him. But I could be wrong because I felt that when he got priced up above 8,000 and he kept putting up 50 fantasy point games. I just think the shooting has to regress a little bit, and there's no way that he could keep putting up multiple steals and blocks in every single game. Uh, Miles Turner at 6,100. I still I think that there's upside in Turner. I'm going to keep throwing him into like 5% or so of my GPP lineups. He hasn't played well this year. I feel like I've said this a lot of times, except I still believe in his talent. I think he's going to be an all-star level type player. The other thing also is he gets Ennis Kanter defense uh, in this game tonight. As solid as Kanter is on offense, terrible defender. So Miles Turner, I think there's upside in him as well. Well, the Oladipo point, I definitely agree with you that his defensive stats are probably unsustainable. There's also some blowout risk. Uh, The Pacers are minus 12 now, and it just logically makes sense that the Knicks would have a very slim chance of keeping the game close. They're on the second night of a back-to-back, and they're missing their two leading scorers. Uh, Porzingis, obviously their best player. But I do like Miles Turner because the matchup, like you said, is really strong, and he just is better than what he's played so far, and his price has come down. So I like Turner a lot. Um, Probably won't use Oladipo. And then Beasley, yeah, maybe he's a little too risky to use in cash lineups, but that price is just so low. And oh, I'd be, I'd be fine with using him in cash lineups. I just think that for what his price is, there's so much upside that it's fine anyway. I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't be totally shocked if Beasley puts up, like, an eight fantasy point game. Well, for just GPPs, I think it makes sense to use him in all GPP lineups because you are you need something to kind of break right and go your way to do well at GPPs anyway. I think if you're going to play in riskier contest types then there's no reason to fade Beasley in any of them. The price is just too cheap. There's a ton of upside for him. If the game stays even reasonably close, I think he ends up playing a lot of minutes. The Knicks would probably have to be down like 40 points going into the fourth quarter for Beasley to not get some run at the end of the game. There's just not a lot of depth right now, and the Knicks are probably more inclined to give minutes to Beasley at the end of the game in a blowout than, let's say, Ennis Cantor, who's dealt with a back injury, or Courtney Lee, who is more of like a veteran key component to the team that they would want to give rest if possible. Beasley is kind of just the uh, go-to guy when the Knicks need some usage from a second unit player and they have no one else to take shots. So I'm more comfortable in Beasley's minutes, but yeah, I mean, he does have plenty of duds. So there's some risk, but I think it's worth taking the risk just because it's such a good spot for him. Totally agreed. Uh, So the next game, this is another one with a fair amount of blowout risk. The Phoenix Suns playing at the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, The Phoenix side of the game, it's it's impossible to know their big man rotation. They alternate who's starting between Greg Monroe, uh, Alex Len, and Tyson Chandler every game. And almost one of them is a DNP coach's decision every game. And there's no way to know which one it is. So safely avoid that part of the Suns. The two guys who are going to play minutes are T.J. Warren and Devin Booker. I think both of them are decent plays. Uh, Devin Booker has just kind of alternated. like He's like a 20 fantasy point game, then 50-plus fantasy points. So that's kind of perfect for GPPs. And then T.J. Warren, I think he is upside at 6,700. From the uh, Sixers side of the game, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, 
I don't think I, I wouldn't play either of them in a cash game just because there is the blowout risk here and there's enough games where you don't have to take that kind of a chance. But for GPP, a ton of upside on both these guys. Same with uh, Robert Covington has some upside. Uh, I think those are probably the three guys that I'd really look at rostering and I would stay away from cash games. Those would just be GPP plays. Yeah, I wouldn't use anyone from this game in cash either. Well, especially not Booker, I think is definitely not usable in cash. But if the game stays close, then he probably has to be one of the focal points to keep the game close. So for game stacks here, I think there is plenty of upside. This is the highest total of any game on the slate, or is we don't have a Warriors-Pelicans line yet, so maybe it's the second highest. But 227.5 is a ton of points, and the spread is only 10.5. And that spread might even be a little bit too high. The public is pretty heavily on the Sixers side. Um, I'll call it pretty fair. And a game with a 10-point spread could pretty easily just stay close. Um, so if you're going to stack the game, I think it's Booker, Warren, and then Embiid and Simmons. I mean, you can basically just use that as a core and put cheap value plays around them in game stacks. I think that's pretty easy to do, and it should fit within salary constraints. All right, so next game is the Bucks at the Celtics. Uh, I don't really think that this is a strong game to target, but I do think that Giannis is a bit too cheap. 10600 seems like a really ridiculous price for a guy who's pretty matchup-proof. Uh, Giannis has been over 50 fantasy points in all but five games this year, and he's been 42-plus in every single game. So the floor for him is so high at 10,600. Like, even his worst game of the season, which is 42 fantasy points, isn't going to kill you at that price. So Giannis, I think, is a really strong play at 10,600. It's just too cheap for him. Yeah, I agree. And the Celtics have been really good defending point guards this year, and I guess Giannis is technically a point guard. But I'm going to say that that's pretty irrelevant for a player that plays the way he does. He kind of has his own position. I think I've said the same thing about LeBron where you can't really look at a team's positional defense to determine how to defend a guy like that. He's just too versatile. He can score in any number of ways and he puts up plenty of stats on defense too. Um, So yeah, I have no problem with the matchup for Giannis. He probably is just matchup proof anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely how I feel with it. I mean, the reason he could play, literally every single position on the court is because he's so athletic and he's so skilled. So, I mean, that's just what makes a matchup. If there's nobody who could guard him in the league. So he's, he's pretty much fine in every matchup. The only thing that really affects him is pace of play, but the Bucks play at a slow pace anyway. So there really isn't any game that you see him as a down pace matchup, unless they're playing like the Mavericks or the Jazz or one of those super slow-paced teams. Well, the one reason that I probably wouldn't have a ton of exposure to him is just because there's someone priced about the same that I think we both prefer, so it might just be hard to fit both of these guys in the same lineup, but I think some Giannis exposure, just, I don't think for a lineup construction on this particular slate, he makes that much sense, but I do agree with you that he's probably too cheap. All right. Which player are you talking about? When are we going to find out? Who knows? <laughs> you probably I, know I know, I know, I know what the players are. <laughs> uh, all right, so the Brooklyn Nets at the Atlanta Hawks. So this is a game that's going to be high pace. There's going to be a lot of points scored. It's just hard to figure out where it's going to come from. So Dennis Schroeder should produce, but he's only up to 8,000 now. So I don't really think he's that strong of a play anymore. Like, he was in the 6,000s before, and he was an awesome play then. But at 8,000, the most fantasy points he scored all year is 44, and he's only had a few games over 40. So there, there just isn't really a lot in that 
price tag, like, even his best-case scenario, like, let's say he totally goes nuts against the Nets. Like, what is he doing? Scoring, like, 45 fantasy points, which is nice for 8,000, but that's not even, like, a great score. So I'll probably be off Schroeder tomorrow. Uh, and then other guys from the Nets side, uh, let's see, what have Spencer Dinwiddie's minutes been lately? They're keeping him right around 30, which is fair. I think he's fine to roster, but also not really that exciting. I think for as many points as there's going to be in this game, and as bad as the defenses are, there's just nobody who I really think is an incredibly strong play because nobody's playing a ton of minutes outside of Schroeder and Dinwiddie, and they're both kind of priced up. Well, I think Alan Crabb and uh, Ronda Hollis-Jefferson have upside, but there's definitely some risk there. Um, Crabb does seem to have pretty good minutes stability. He was out for about a week or so. He just came back in the game yesterday against the Hawks. But before he got hurt, he was playing 30-plus minutes almost every night, and he's only at 4,700. So I think Crab is – like, if you're going to try to stack – well, we probably won't stack the game anyway just because there aren't a lot of guys to use. But Alan Crab I think, does provide some security and upside. And Ronnie Hollis-Jefferson has upside, too. Uh, the one player who probably makes the most sense to roster from either team, though, is Ursan Ilyasova, who has had a huge role with um, John Collins is out and uh, Mike Muscala is out. And, there's one and the more. Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman. Yes, all of the frontcourt guys are out. So Ilyasova at 4,800, I think they're still upside, even though he was a much stronger play a couple of days ago when he was in the 3,000s. I don't think his price has gone up quite enough where it's not worth using him a lot because for someone who plays 30, probably around 30 minutes and has a pretty high usage on a team with just not a lot of high usage players... I think Ilyasova and then maybe Torian Prince for about the same price. There probably is a lot of upside for those guys. Yeah, I'm still just confused by the minutes by the Hawks guys. So if you look at Ilyasova the last two games, he came off the bench and played 31 minutes. Then last game, which was a game that John Collins was out for the entire game, where Collins played most of the game against the Cavs, uh, Ilyasova's minutes went all the way down to 24 even though he was starting and Collins was out, and it was a game against the same Nets team. You know what it was? So, they probably saw how the Nets ran their rotation and just thought, hey, that's a good idea. Let's play all of our players 20-plus minutes. But they're playing the Nets again. <laughs> so maybe they'll do it again, yeah, because they won the game in Brooklyn. It worked so well for them. Maybe they'll just do the everyone plays half the game thing again. That definitely does hurt Ilyasova if they decide to coach their team the way the Nets coach going forward. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that there is upside in some of those players. It's just hard for me to really say, like, oh, I'm going to have, like, Ilyasova in a ton of my lineups or Alan Crabb in a ton of my lineups just because I think that there's going to be other guys that are also strong plays that just have more security in their playing time, which is going to tend me to want to – tend me – tend to make me want to roster those guys more. I don't know why that was so difficult to say, <laughs> but but here we are. It was a tongue twister of sorts. So, all right, next game, Cleveland Cavaliers, Chicago Bulls. This game also has some blowout risk. Uh, even though the Cavs have been mildly disappointing this year, they have played better recently. The Bulls have been uh, just total shit the entire season. Uh, LeBron James at 11,800. I mean, I think LeBron is fine. Uh, there are definitely other guys that prefer to pay up for. Like, I think that Giannis, for example, probably has about similar, maybe even slightly higher expected point output for a cheaper price. So that will probably lead me away from LeBron. The Cavs have been bad on defense, but still from the Bulls, it's, there's nobody who I really look at as a super play. I think Laurie Markkinen's okay, but he's, he's kind of like right around like high 20s to like 30 every single game. 
So at 6,100 in a plus matchup, I think that he's not going to kill any lineups, but he's probably not going to win you any GPPs either. I think he's fine as a play, not anything like super interesting. And then Chris Dunn is okay. Denzel Valentine's okay. But outside of that, I don't really think that there's a ton of, uh, ton to see from Chicago. Well, I'm sort of going back and forth on this because I initially was thinking that I'd want to roster a lot of Bulls players because the Bulls are very undervalued by the betting public. So the line opened at minus 10 for Cleveland. It's down to nine already. But if I'm perceiving, and I guess Sharp Money is perceiving less blowout risk, then that means that the players will actually be under-owned where they should, than where they should be. So theoretically, LeBron would be a value based on his low ownership. I agree with you. I don't really like paying up for him anyway. Giannis is probably better, and our other mystery expensive player is probably better. Um, so because I think this game will be closer, that actually helps LeBron, and it also helps the Bulls starters. So the direction for me, I think, is to use guys like Chris Dunn and Laurie Markkinen because I'm not overly concerned that the Bulls are playing their bench at the end of the game. And I think the Bulls guys will be really low-owned. I think LeBron will be really low-owned. But even with that said, I think the Bulls guys are the better play, and I'd rather just fade LeBron in this matchup. All right. Warriors-Pelicans. This is going to be a strong game to target. Sean Livingston is uh, being rested. That has zero impact on this game. Uh, From the Pelicans side, Anthony Davis is out. That has significantly more impact than Sean Livingston being out. So, DeMarcus Cousins is going to have a massive amount of usage in this game. If you look at his last game against the Trailblazers, season-high 46.5% usage rating with Davis out. He took 28 shots. He made 14 of them. And it just I think it's very likely that uh, DeMarcus Cousins takes more shots than any other player on the slate tomorrow. So at 11000 it is a little pricey for Cousins, but I still think he's my favorite guy to pay up for on the slate. He's the guy who Matt was referring to that we like a little bit more than Giannis. And then from the Pelic- from the Warriors side, all the stars are in play. Klay uh, Thompson, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. Uh, I think my favorite of those guys is Durant. He has the most favorable matchup. And then in addition to that, uh, his price is down a little bit. He's all the way down at 9000 which is the cheapest he's been all year. Uh, it's even the cheapest he was at any point all of last year. So at 9000 I just think that's too cheap for Durant. I think he makes a ton of sense as a little mini-game stack, combining him with DeMarcus Cousins. And there's just some other guys that I think have some value in the price tags on the Pelicans also without Davis. Uh, more usage for Drew Holiday. The ball's in Rondo's hands more. And there's also more playing time for guys like Darius Miller, Etwan Moore, and Dante Cunningham. Yeah, I think game stacks here kind of make sense. I'd probably rather do it in, let's say, the Sixers game. Um, that's probably about it. But I think Rondo and Cousins are both worth having a lot of exposure to. So Cousins, for sure, yes, that is the expensive player that I like. Because you already knew that because we already talked about it before we started. But I definitely agree with you on Rondo. So mini correlation between Rondo and Cousins. I don't really like Holiday a ton for 6,300. He's probably fine, and if you're going to stack the game, then it makes more sense to use him. So maybe going with Rondo or Holiday and Cousins and Durant all together, I think that's a viable strategy. But for the most part, I think I just like Rondo and Cousins. Um, yeah, I mean, I still really do like Holiday just because, see, what was... Uh... 
his usage the last few games. Um, it didn't move much last game. I'm going to look at his overall usage for the season with um, with Davis off the court because I feel like it goes up a decent amount. But I could also just be wrong. Uh, with Rondo, the minutes have still not really gone up. But he still is a good DFS player in terms of he gets the rebounds, he gets the assists. So he's been able to do some damage in the smaller amount of minutes. Like I, I still think that he's somebody who in 28 minutes, he's going to be scoring about a fantasy point plus per minute. So still somebody who I think could be around uh, 25 to 30 fantasy points. All right, so Drew Holiday has uh, – his usage rating goes up about 2% with – Davis off the floor, and that's it. None of his other peripheral stats go up. But still, the little bit of extra usage, I think, creates some value in Drew Holiday. Uh, so I'm good with him as a play. And then he's also not that expensive. Um, anything else to add for this game, Matt? No, I think just on the Holiday thing, I'm fine with him as a play. We've mentioned some other guys that are kind of similarly priced. Like I prefer Miles Turner for his price than Holiday, so I think I just won't have much of him since I like other guys more for similar cost, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with him. All right. Next game is the Minnesota Timberwolves at the Memphis Grizzlies from the Minnesota side of the game. That's a, it's, it's just such a slow paced matchup. Like even though Memphis has not been particularly good this year, well, they were before the Mike Conley injury, but they play at a slow enough pace that they've really been limiting fantasy production even without having a really strong defensive efficiency. From the Memphis side of the game, uh, Tyreek Evans, 7,300. I think he's okay, but still, I think it's just a lot of fair price, and it should be a pretty down-paced game, so nobody I really want a lot of exposure to. Yeah, the other thing that has me definitely off the Wolves is that the Sharps seem to like the Grizzlies a lot. Minnesota just played uh, on Sunday night against the Clippers and the game was fairly close. So the starters had to play their normal minutes. I think the second night of back-to-back thing should be most of the reason why there's some line movement. Uh, Maybe if the Wolves had won by blowout and the starters didn't have to play as much, then they'd be in a better spot going into Memphis. Uh, One guy I'll mention though, who's actually seen a lot of minutes for the Grizzlies recently. um, And maybe it was just because Mario Chalmers was out, but no, I'm looking at it now. It still seems pretty safe. So Ben McLemore has played, 22 or more minutes in four of his last five games. The other one was 20 minutes. And he's been a pretty decent value in all of them. So I think they're, for whatever reason, giving Macklemore an increased role. Um, is he someone you would use? or Because I, I, he's the same price as Beasley, so I definitely prefer Beasley. But independently, I still think he's a pretty good play at 3500 yeah, I would say that he'd be somebody who'd make some GPP lineups, wouldn't be like a core play in my GPP lineups. Yeah, I think that's probably where I am too. Uh, he's worth using, but there are just some better cheap guys, just not a ton of better cheap guys. All right, next game, Denver at Dallas. Nikola Jokic has been ruled out again with the ankle injury. So Mason Plumley once again, strong value play. Still only at 4,300. He started last game at center, played 31 minutes. Finished with 28 fantasy points. I think that's a fair expectation for him, again, is to be uh, right around 30 minutes and somewhere around a point a minute. So you'd expect around 30 fantasy points from him again tonight. So strong value at only 4,300, where we need 21.5 points for him to hit value. And then we have just a bunch of other guys who are decent plays also. Uh, 
Will Barton's had a bigger role with Jokic out. Uh, Gary Harris has been getting more minutes. Uh, Jamal Murray. Uh, the other thing to keep an eye on is Wilson Chandler's questionable. He's missed the last few games. So if he plays, I'm going to assume that a lot of minutes come from Kenneth Fareed. Uh, but we'll have to wait to see what the Nuggets starting lineup looks like and if Wilson Chandler's in or out. And then from the Dallas side of the game, this is a much easier matchup than it was at the beginning of the year. Denver without Paul Millsap, weaker defense, and also playing at a faster pace. So I think that Harrison Barnes is a good play. I think Wesley Matthews is a good play. I think that there is a little bit of upside in Dennis Smith Jr., but a little cautious on rostering him just because the minutes have been down recently, and he just hasn't really played all that well over the last few weeks. Yeah, I have some interest in Dennis Smith, but I do like Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews more. Um, one guy for the Nuggets, if Wilson Chandler doesn't play, Trey Lyles has gotten a big uptick in minutes recently. He actually played 30 minutes in their last game against the Lakers. So at 3,700, I think he would be someone to consider also. But I definitely think Plumlee is worth playing, no matter what the status of Chandler is, because he's starting in place of Jokic and I guess Millsap too. And the minutes are pretty stable for Plumlee, and he does a lot when he's on the court good source of rebounds, scores a decent amount. So I like Plumlee the most, but I think Lyles and then possibly Farid are worth using too. And then the guards are in play just because it's a good matchup, but no additional boost because of uh, because of that uh, Chandler injury for those guys probably. Um, do you think that anyone else on the Nuggets benefits from from Chandler being out, or is it just the front court? Uh, Wancho Hernan Gomez does, but still not really somebody to be really interested in rostering because he hasn't really played particularly well and even with the extra minutes I still don't think it's enough for him to have like a monster game because he's playing like you know like 25-ish minutes and he's not like a crazy permanent producer yeah and I'll actually take that back on the matchup I don't know for some reason I was looking at Nuggets versus Pelicans it's it's in Dallas so yeah that's a pace down game I don't think uh we've probably used a decent amount of Gary Harris and Will Barton recently but I think Murray is the guy to use just because he's way cheaper. I don't really think it's a great spot for Harris or Barton. Uh, no, I, personally, I like I like Harris and Barton just because they have a bigger playmaking role with Jokic off the court. So uh, I prefer Harris to Barton. Barton actually was kind of on his way to having a really bad game the last time out and then just had a crazy fourth quarter. Like He had like three block shots in the second half of steal and then just hit a bunch of shots for like five minutes left in the game. I think he was at like 10 fantasy points and then scored something like 25 fantasy points in the last like six minutes of the game. So I prefer Gary Harris to Will Barton. I think uh, I'm a little concerned about Barton's minutes if Wilson Chandler comes back, whereas Gary Harris, I feel much better about him definitely playing big minutes. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So I'll I'll agree with you that I'm I'm off Will Barton. I think that's, that's the one player we certainly agree on for those uh, Nuggets guards. All right, so the next game, Detroit-San uh, Antonio. This is a fade for me. Yeah, let me just scan quickly because I think I agree. The Spurs are on the second night of a back-to-back, but they just rested all of their starters against the Thunder. Uh, Pau Gasol actually started the game, but he sat the second half. Uh, so no concern there. Well, I guess it's a concern that it's a just a bad game, but there's no uh, potential value for cheap fill-ins. The Spurs aren't going to be resting anyone because they just did it on Sunday. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. Uh, good game to fade. All right, and then last game 
is the Washington Wizards at the Utah Jazz. And this is one that we just don't have enough information on right now because Rodney Hood is questionable again and Rudy Gobert is questionable. He might come back. So if Gobert comes back, I'm, the whole game is almost definitely a fade for me then because I can't play any Wizards players against a Rudy Gobert defense. And then Gobert is just going to really disrupt a lot of the rotations and minutes for Jazz players, and it's going to be really tough to figure out. So uh, for now, I'm just going to say wait and see, and we need more information on this game. Would you have interest in Gobert himself if he's unrestricted or not really a great matchup for him? And I guess he probably would have some kind of minutes I, I restriction. I doubt that he'd be unrestricted for his first game back. Yeah, I think I agree with that. So we can just safely ignore for now and then wait on that injury news and see if anything changes. All right, so that'll finish up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GAaronBurdFS, and Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. Uh, Three-game NBA slate for Tuesday, so I'm not really sure if we'll do, like, a short podcast for that. Maybe we won't even have one. It's a terrible slate. It's, like, three games, like, back-to-backs that look like they could be blowouts. So uh, maybe a podcast for that day, maybe not. Depends on depends on what we're doing, I guess. Uh, so that'll be it, and we'll definitely be back at least for Wednesday.